0: Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our newsfeeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar, who will be your host in this roundup of the past week of fake news. And today is kind of a roundup, kind of a retrospective. I want to talk about some stuff that's been going on in the world for the past couple years, review a few things from this week that are examples of a growing problem. Society is based on mutual respect. We have to respect each other's boundaries or we don't have a society. Now, obviously, we do need to have some kind of restrictions so that in order for society to work, we need to have some kind of universal agreement about where we draw the line to say at what point are you infringing on my rights. A popular refrain is that your right to swing your fists ends at the other person's nose. You can dance around in your personal space doing whatever you want, but the moment your motion interferes with my autonomy, we have a problem. Now that's a simple enough concept, but we do have a bill of rights in our country and that regulates this for everyone else so that we we know what our personal space entails, such as freedom of speech, that I can say what I want, and the government can't punish me for it, or freedom of religion, that I can worship whatever God I want, and nobody can stop me or punish me for that. And so forth from there. One of the hallmarks of Western civilization has been the rise of a recognition of personal freedoms. You'll no longer be punished for criticizing the government. We aren't enslaving people anymore. The state cannot mandate a religious practice. America was innovative in that it took a lot of these ideas, and other countries followed along, and some of them even beat us to the punch, you know, like England with slavery. But the connective tissue through all these countries was Western civilization, heavily influenced by Christianity, or what we might call a Judeo-Christian worldview. So even if you're an atheist, if you're from the USA, a lot of your beliefs about the world are shaped by a Judeo-Christian ethic. Western civilization has brought the world to a stable place of mutual respect. It laid a foundation for for governments where everyone has a voice, our leaders are held accountable, and we respect each other's boundaries. But I'm sad to say, it does look like this foundation is crumbling. Uh, Back to that analogy about the fist in the face. Okay, so my right to swing my fist ends at the next guy's nose. Well, we've gotten along fine with that philosophy for a few hundred years, but now COVID came along and it messed that all up. (laughs) Now I can be considered assaulting you, not just by hitting you, but if I breathe near you without a mask. And my freedom of speech? Well, now I can be punished for saying the wrong thing about COVID if my words are labeled misinformation. My words can be restricted. And then what about privacy and personal autonomy? Governments around the planet Even so-called Western nations, they're forcing people to get vaccinated against their will. The past two years of this pandemic have eroded our freedoms. The way we think about freedom is so much different today than it was if we went back in time two years ago. From my observation, the um, the Internet came out about 20 or 25 years ago. It made us very free. It gave us freedom to speak and to learn far beyond what people ever dreamed of, you know, before that. And not only that, cell phones have made information more accessible than ever. We can look up any fact you want to know in the blink of an eye. With the device that we carry around with us literally 24-7, you can use it to communicate with someone anywhere in the world. And if you see something, you can tell the rest of the world about it instantaneously. And the government doesn't know what to do with us having all this freedom. Governments can't control the flow of information like they used to. You can no longer obscure the things that you want to obscure from the everyday citizens. We're starting to see these Western nation leaders take steps that would have been really shocking to us just a few years ago. So something I'm realizing now is life might not go back to normal after all the shakeups of the past few years. You know, I think the pandemic will end, but some of the effects are going to linger on. You know, in the past, we saw political movements and they got hot for a while And then they died down. Occupy Wall Street, you know, that had a moment and it died down. A major economic recession in 2008. It was a huge issue. But then that got better over time. Now the effects can linger on. Um, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, that movement, especially in 2020. I mean, it reshaped views on race that I think are not going away anytime soon. They've made society worse. I, I, You know, I had hoped that we could go back to the old attitudes on race from 10 or 20 years ago. But I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I don't think it's going to be something like Occupy Wall Street where, you know, it got big and died down and we went back to normal. We had a little bit of a reset after trying something different. I don't think a lot of these things are going to go back to the old way of of the old normal. We have a new normal. Critical race theory is now the dominant lens through which politicians and the entertainment industry and academia – and the news media. It's how they view everyday issues. So Bernie Sanders, he may never run for president again, but socialism is more popular than ever in this country. He's a big part of why. So some things are just moments and they go away, and other things become movements that carry forward into the future. Here's something I wish would go away, but I don't think it's gonna. The deplatforming of people on social media, or what we call cancel culture, Man, that really thrived the past couple of years under claims of cracking down on misinformation. But you know what? Even when the pandemic ends, I think Democrats are still going to try to force people to lose their voice in the public sphere. And all the control that the government did seize during the pandemic, they're not just going to give it back. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So this is not an episode about COVID-19. I actually just did a two-hour episode on that. <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to it, I'm not talking about COVID-19 again today. But I want to talk about the authoritarian mindset that many people have adopted as a result of the past two years. Ben Shapiro wrote a book a year or two ago. It was called The Authoritarian Moment. I didn't read it. I'm sure it was good. But I don't think we're actually in an authoritarian moment. I think right now we're in an an authoritarian movement. The Western nations, which brought freedom to the world, are now coming up with new ideas to quash freedom. And this movement is not slowing down. I think the future is actually going to look a lot more restricted than the past. So let's talk about some of those things today. Let's take a little journey around the world, starting with a country that isn't Western. Um, I think this week the Olympics are finishing up in China. Uh, Now why we held the Olympics in China for 2022? I do not understand. This country just unleashed a virus on the world that has killed millions of people, and they tried to shift the blame. And they refused. You know, if you remember early on in the pandemic, they refused to share scientific information early on that could have helped figure out what kind of things are good for treating it and all that. Uh, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to take the blame. China is a socialist and communist country. It's seen the deaths of millions of people by his dictators over the past century. I mean, to this day, they celebrate that Mao Zedong, their, their leader who's dead now, but he's believed to have been responsible for 70 million deaths. I mean, that's, that outweighs even Hitler's kill count. The current leader over there is Xi Jinping. Um, one of the main problems <laughs> with socialism and communism is just, a, it's an outgrowth of socialism uh, one of the, it, It's a variant of it, but it's all part of the same system. One of the main problems with it is it doesn't respect basic human rights. It says nothing really belongs to you, that it belongs to the people, a.k.a. the government. Let me give you a glimpse of what authoritarianism looks like and what may be coming to our country. Uh, the Times reports that Amazon agreed to Beijing's demand to have anything below a five-star review of Xi Jinping's book, The Governance of China, removed from its Chinese site he wrote a book it was called the governments of the governance of China okay by their dictator over there Xi Jinping and they told Amazon anything below a five-star review we want it taken off the site in China and Amazon agreed to that Amazon bowed to China's demands is in China you don't have a right to an opinion if that opinion offends the leader It's amazing to me that Democrats called Trump a dictator for years, but now they will cozy right up to China (laughs) and not criticize this at all. And the influence of China on this country, on the USA, it's truly sickening. Now, now let me be clear. We absolutely need to hold accountable Russia, China, whoever wants to interfere with our process of developing a vaccine or cyber hack us in any other way. And there are enormous number of tools to do so. I do want to point out and, and just simply make an urgent plea One of the gentleman's arguments was that China hid the true risk of the virus from the American people. And yes, that is terrible that China did that. It's not actually their job to warn the American people. It's the president's job to warn the American people. I mean, you have to understand the Democrat Party is totally in the pocket of China. There's a I I find this unbelievable, but it's true. Eric Swalwell, he's a representative. He's on the House Intelligence Committee. Foreign Intelligence. He's on the House Foreign Intelligence Committee. And he was having an affair with a Chinese spy. And for some reason, the media is not talking about this all the time. He's still on the Foreign Intelligence Committee, or Foreign Affairs. Um, I'm getting the name wrong. Let me Google it real quick. Okay, he's a member of the House Intelligence Committee, and he's having an affair with a Chinese spy whose name is Feng Feng. Weird name, but anyway, that's that's the story. Why is that not like a major scandal being covered by all the different news platforms? He's a member of the Intelligence Committee. And there's a Chinese spy that, okay. That is what we're dealing with in America right now. That's why I say the influence of China in our country is truly sickening. Why is he still allowed on the Intelligence Committee? What a dope. And the entertainment industry, it's all about China. Okay, athletes. You know, athletes are constantly encouraged to be part-time activists on the side. But if you protest against China's inhumane policies, the athletes will be punished for it. Um, it, it, The BBC reported that the general manager of the Houston Rockets basketball team, he apologized because he put out a tweet in support of Hong Kong protesters that led to a Chinese backlash. Daryl Morey's original tweet included an image captioned, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. But the coach backpedaled after a fierce criticism from Chinese fans, sponsors, and commercial partners. Chinese broadcasters and streaming platforms said they would no longer broadcast Rockets games. You know what we need to tell China? Fine, you don't get the Rockets games. You don't want to broadcast them. You, you miss out. But our entertainment industry wants that money so bad that they are not going to hold their ground on it. They made the manager apologize for tweeting that he stands with Hong Kong. Okay, and I don't know if you remember back in 2019, there were a lot of protests going on in China over how they were trying to declare ownership over Hong Kong. Hong Kong wanted to be a democracy rather than ruled by a dictator. There were protests in the streets in China for months and many Americans were speaking out about it here in America. But if anyone too famous spoke out, they had to apologize. And that, you know what brought that to an end? There was that virus that accidentally leaked from a lab in Wuhan and it sent all the protesters back to their homes. <laughs> it was pretty convenient for China. Okay, pretty convenient timing. Just saying. And then people forgot all about Hong Kong. And th- they aren't just dictators about Hong Kong, but also Taiwan. Okay, <laughs> kind of like if you know the scene from The Office where Michael Scott declares bankruptcy. You know, he walks into the middle of the office and he's like, I declare bankruptcy. I declare bankruptcy! Hey, I just wanted you to know that you can't just say the word bankruptcy and expect anything to happen. I didn't say it. I declared it still. That's what China thinks they can do with Taiwan. They think, oh, we can just declare that Taiwan is part of China. Well... Taiwan's not a part of China, guys. It's Taiwan. But you know what? China wants Taiwan, probably because Taiwan is such a leading tech manufacturer and tech is the future. Um, last year, one of the stars of the new Fast and Furious movie, uh, John Cena, he's talking about all the places this movie was going to open. He was just doing the regular promotional stuff. And he said, like in an interview or something, he's like, he said it's coming out in China and it's coming out in Taiwan. And he listed a bunch of countries where it's coming out. And then that was a big no no. Because by saying that the movie came out in China and Taiwan, it implied that they aren't the same country. So he had to put out another video begging for China's forgiveness. And, he, and not only that, he said it like in Chinese. It was, it was so pathetic. I mean, what a pathetic sissy. He's this muscled up wrestler guy, totally a weenie when it came to China. He just bowed right down to what they wanted. <laughs> it was sick. Um, and you know what? If you go to Wikipedia right now, And type in Taiwan. This is what it says. Taiwan, officially the Republic of China, is a country in East Asia. Okay, that statement is a lie. That's just China controlling Wikipedia. Taiwan is Taiwan, not officially the Republic of China. But you know what? If Russia is going to be successful in taking Ukraine, like as they seem poised to do this week, China will probably move to Taiwan next. You know, America used to be kind of viewed as the policeman for the world. Um, Not that we necessarily, I mean, we did get involved in a lot of conflicts in other countries, but we kind of kept the peace around the world because people were afraid of America and they didn't want America getting into their business. So people kind of, other countries left each other alone a lot of times because they did not want American interference. But right now, nobody's afraid of America. They're not intimidated by America anymore. And I can't imagine why. And there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's why. Yeah, I can't imagine why China's not intimidated by us right now, guys. But you know what? After the disaster of Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan last year... And, and then, like, a month ago, do you remember that Biden basically invited Russia into Ukraine? You know, he said, if you come in slowly, it'll you know, we won't do anything about it. I mean, when Biden's practically handing Ukraine to him on a silver platter, why wouldn't China move on Taiwan next? Obviously, we're not going to do anything about it. Say what you want about Trump. He didn't get us involved in any conflicts, but he knew how to be a strong man and keep other countries in line just with his words. Signed our deal, USMCA, and the relationship is very strong. China and others have criticized you for using the phrase Chinese virus. How do you feel about that? Are you going to continue using that phrase? Well, China uh, was putting out information which was false that our military gave this to them. That was false. And uh, rather than having an argument, I said, I have to call it where it came from. It did come from China, so I think it's a very accurate term. But no, I didn't appreciate the fact that China was saying that our military gave it to them. Our military did not give give it to anybody. Critics say using our phrase creates a stigma. Uh... No, I don't think so. No, I think saying that our military gave it to them creates a stigma. Say what you want about him, but it's true. We had no the first president in my lifetime that didn't start us any wars anywhere. Now Joe Biden's president. I don't know if he's going to start any wars. It looks like he's just going to shrink America away and war might break out everywhere else. That's what happens when America is weak and whenever we elect weak leaders. So back to China. Even our media is in, Chinese, in China's pocket. Okay, news outlets like CNN. They regularly broadcast Chinese propaganda. Okay, things that sound like they're written right out of Chinese newsrooms to be pro-China. Um, Like they had a (laughs) one of their headlines this week that was being made fun of is just so-called objective reporting. It was just gushing about how great China is doing, putting on the Winter Olympics headline says a winter sporting event like no other. Um, Just constantly on CNN, you see these gushy headlines that just sound like Chinese propaganda. Here's an article from CNN last July. Okay, Within days. China will reach a staggering 1 billion doses of its COVID-19 vaccination drive, a scale and speed unrivaled by any other country in the world. As of Wednesday, China had administered more than 945 million doses, three times the number delivered in the United States, and almost 40% of the 2.5 billion shots given globally. The number is all the more remarkable. Wow, guys. (laughs) Does that sound like objective reporting to you? The number is all the more remarkable given its rollout had a slow start. China reached its first million doses on March 27th, two weeks behind the U.S., but the pace picked up significantly in May with more than 500 million shots given over the past month, according to data from China's National Health Commission. They are using China's own statistics to say this. China, which claims that only 5,000 people over there have died from COVID, whereas in America we have 900,000 and they say they have 5,000. And they have like twice or three times as many people as us. I don't know how many people they have. They have like a billion people in China. We're going to trust their own statistics when it makes them look good. (laughs) Maybe CNN stands for the Chinese News Network. As I mentioned, um, or maybe I didn't mention this, but China, they've been imprisoning these Uyghur Muslims lately and they're just not being held to account over it. No one's doing anything about it. They're imprisoning people in literal... Literal concentration camps, like what the, the the Germans did with the Jews, shaving shaving their heads, making them work all day, raping the women, and these people haven't done anything wrong. There's no crimes that they've done. China just doesn't like the Uyghur Muslims. They're doing this to these people, and nobody's doing anything about it. And if you or I speak out about it, we're the ones criticized about it. Our 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 uh, athletes go over to compete in the Olympics there, which they shouldn't be there anyway. And Nancy Pelosi goes out and says, Hey, don't be doing, don't be speaking out against the oppression going on over in China. Don't be talking about that while you're over there. That's not the time or place to be talking about those things. (sighs) But when Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, (laughs) isn't it amazing that our Democrat politicians, they cheer it on whenever athletes run down America, but they tell them, Don't go over to China and run down China. But then you're applauding it and cheering it on whenever they run down America. Really makes you wonder which country they like more. Let's talk about another country besides China. Let's talk about Australia for a minute. Australia is so controlling about COVID. If you break quarantine, they will literally put your name on the news to shame and ridicule ridicule you. Like we've kind of talked about this on some programs in the past. Um, Seven News in Australia reported, like just as an example here. A COVID positive man labeled public health enemy number one is continuing to elude police days after a warrant was issued for his arrest. Anthony Karam, 27, was told by NSW Health that he had coronavirus on August 14th and must go into isolation. However, according to police, he defied those orders and continued to move among the community. And the article calls him a fugitive, criminal, for what? For not locking down when they told him to lock down. Like he's being had been reported on as public health enemy number one. And we could find lots of people that they just the news goes on and gives these people's names as a way to, like, shame the people. And, and there's probably not very many people who are doing that as big as Australia is. But they are so terrified of their government over there and they are so compliant with what the government says. If you break the rules, you become a 15 minutes of fame over it right after the Australian government website. It says, in the case of an individual, if you break quarantine is what it's talking about, the fines, the maximum penalty is $11,000 or imprisonment for six months or both, and a further $5,500 penalty may apply for each day the offense continues. You break quarantine, you could be fined up to $11,000 for going outside. You know, I remember 10 years ago, Like, Australia was always bragging about how they had disarmed themselves, you know, from firearms. That was, like, constantly being talked about. America would have a shooting. Barack Obama would go on TV. He'd say, why can't we be more like Australia? You know, they got rid of their guns. They were smart. We need common sense. Ten years ago, Australia is bragging about it. American politicians are saying, we need to be like Australia. Get rid of our guns. Y'all remember what the purpose of the Second Amendment is? It's to protect yourself from an authoritarian government. But they don't have a Second Amendment in Australia, so they got rid of guns. Look at look at what's happened to them 10 years later. I don't ever want to hear about gun control after we went through COVID. I never want to hear about gun control from the Democrats again. We've seen what happens. We'll get to Canada, too, before long. So uh, some other countries in Europe, I mean, you have countries like Australia... I'm sorry, Austria. I always get those confused, Austria and Australia. I'm sorry i confused them there. I want to talk about Austria for a minute, okay? Austria, they have been one of the most extreme countries about COVID. They literally fine you for every day that you don't have the vaccine. You have to pay a fine in Austria just for existing if you don't have the vaccine in your body. They fine you for it over there. And if you don't have the vaccine, you're not even allowed to leave your home. You must lock down. In Germany, the police patrol the streets with sticks that are like six foot long and they put them between people to make sure everyone is social distancing. Over in England, they have vaccine passports. Like you have to show an ID and proof of vaccination to to go anywhere. Scotland. Okay, so Scotland is almost totally vaccinated and yet the rate of COVID over there, it's higher than ever in Scotland right now. They announced this week they're no longer going to tell their citizens the COVID infection rate data because they say it's it's being misrepresented by all the anti-vaxxers. I mean, they're outright saying they are withholding the truth from the public. They aren't going to share data because they don't like how the public is using it. Remember, Remember what I said before, the Internet, access to information, it's made us all too free, too free for the governments to handle. And they're trying to regain the control that they used to have over... The flow of information, uh, like we can talk about deplatforming for a minute. I'll, I'm going to do an episode about deplatforming someday, but um, that's when, like, you see the media trying to generate, like, social media, news media. They're trying to take away people's platforms on those things. Uh, they don't like it when someone goes too far out outside of the established narrative. Like, okay, the media is still freaking out about Joe Rogan. You know, because he had that doctor on. It's like six weeks ago. He had that doctor on talking about um, vaccination stuff. And CNN ran this story a few days ago. Okay, this is the headline. Joe Rogan's use of the N-word is another January 6th moment. (laughs) For real. That's their headline. That Joe Rogan used the N-word in a show like 10 years ago. Okay, this is like five or 10 years ago that he used it. They put out an opinion piece that said his use of the N-word is another January 6th moment. January 6th, by the way, that would be referring to what they call the insurrection uh, at the start of last year, you know, which was not an insurrection. We did a whole show on that, too, um, just recently. But anyway, CNN reports the podcaster Joe Rogan did not join a mob that forced lawmakers to flee for their lives. He never carried a Confederate flag inside the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. No one died trying to stop him from using the N-word. But what Rogan and those that defined him have done since video clips of him using the N-word resurfaced surfaced on social media is arguably just as dangerous as what a mob did when they stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th last year. <laughs> Notice that it said the clips surfaced on social media. That When they say surfaced, it means Democrats dug stuff up and they tried to use it to hurt him. Okay, nobody was offended or throwing a fit about that stuff 10 years ago when he originally said it. Um, They're trying to make it an issue right now. If anyone's hurt by it, they're hurt by it because the Democrats have dug it up and are trying to hurt people with it. It's not not Joe Rogan himself hurting anyone with it. They're just trying to make that an issue now. Their outrage is fake when you see everyday citizens talking about how Joe Rogan is this danger to society because he said the N-word five or ten years ago. They are just buying into propaganda. They don't know how to think for themselves. Joe Rogan's not hurting anybody. Nobody's negatively affected by him. But CNN, they want you to think he's as dangerous as an insurrection. And when they say insurrection, by the way, they're referring to an event where nobody got killed, except for the police officer who shot one of the protesters. One of the protesters got killed, But the protesters themselves didn't kill anyone. It really wasn't that dangerous at all. (laughs) So maybe comparing it to Joe Rogan isn't actually all that bad. By the way, uh, just kind of along this line too, a Black Lives Matter activist, an anti-gun rights activist, tried to murder a politician this week. He literally walked into a campaign office and shot at mayoral candidate Craig Greenberg. Now Greenberg, but he's Jewish by the way, and thankfully, he survived. The Black Lives Matter activist... Actually, I'm not even going to say his name. Um, only because... like He's, he's somewhat a bit of a big name. It's not just some random guy. He's somewhat of a big name in the activism community and Black Lives Matter and all that. He's written articles for various publications, featured like a, as a contributor on cable news. So the, he was kind of a big name guy as far as outspoken activists go. Um, it's it's kind of laughable to me. He was also an anti-gun activist. I'm not going to say his name because I don't think he deserves any attention. He's in, he t- attempted to murder someone this week. He doesn't get his name to be out there and make him famous anymore. But he wrote something. This is a headline that he wrote for the Kentucky Courier-Journal, Okay, a publication that I think he regularly wrote, wrote, for, wrote for the Courier-Journal. His headline was, Kentucky's concealed carry law shows that your life doesn't matter to gun-loving Republicans. Okay, he wrote that on July the 2nd, 2019. So, less than two years... No, uh, two and a half years ago, he wrote that. That your life doesn't matter to gun loving Republicans. Then he takes a gun himself and tried to kill someone this week. I just couldn't even make this stuff up, guys. This anti-gun activist used a gun to try to murder someone this week. To try to assassinate a political candidate. And by the way, this man... Okay, I'm not... I'm not saying his name because he doesn't doesn't deserve any more fame. Do you want to know where this attempted murderer is right now? Do you want to know where he is right now? He's out on bail. There's a particular civil rights organization that came along and paid his $100,000 bail. Do you want to know who it was? Black Lives Matter. He attempted this week to kill a mayoral candidate. Fired his gun at the guy multiple times. I think this was Monday. Fired a gun at him multiple times and tried to kill him. Gets arrested, goes to jail. Going to go on trial now. There's no allegedly about this. He, he literally did this. It's established fact. And Black Lives Matter went and used some of that money that they raised a few years ago. And they bailed this attempted murderer out of jail. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, BLM is a terrorist organization in this country. I mean, there's a... Okay, there's a Black Lives Matter supporter. An outspoken Black Lives Matter supporter back in December. Or maybe it was November. But ran, a, ran an SUV into a parade. Hit a bunch of people. Killed people. Like, at least five. We don't talk about him anymore. Black Black, black guy rams his car into the Capitol back in, like, the spring, kills a Capitol policeman? We don't hear about that. And we're not going to hear any more about this guy, I'm sure, after this week. Black Lives Matter bailed him out. They're a terrorist organization to me. You know, it's obscene to me that some Christians supported this organization in 2020. So-called Christians, anyway. All right. um, I got away from some of the authoritarian stuff there. I want to talk about Canada before we go. I mean, I would talk about Russia. Um, the thing with that is that the news on Russia is changing like every day. Like my, you heard my phone ding a few minutes ago. Uh, no, that was about that was about Canada. Never mind. But there's so much news coming out about Russia. By the time you hear this podcast, you're gonna have more information than me on Russia. So I don't even know how much I want to get into that today. Russia is set to you to invade Ukraine any day now. Biden has been in office a little bit more than a year. And he's about to lose his second embassy. First, Afghanistan had to be evacuated last year with helicopters on the rooftop. And now Ukraine's embassy is being evacuated. Don't forget, whenever Trump left office, he had just gotten like two peace deals in the Middle East. He had a few more on the way. And those other ones, guys, I guess they got interrupted by him leaving office. Mike Pompeo, I think, gets the credit for that, though. Getting those peace deals. And Trump was impeached because he was looking into Joe Biden's sketchy activities in Ukraine. And the Democrats impeached him for it. They said, you know, he was using government resources to investigate a political opponent. Which, by the way, just like Hillary and Obama did to Trump. But when Trump tried it, he was impeached. And they called it abuse of power. And Trump didn't break any actual laws, so they, they had no actual charge to stick on him. They just called it abuse of power. What were they covering up for, Ob- for Biden in Ukraine? What were they covering up for Biden in, U- in Ukraine? I guess Russia's probably going to find it. <laughs> so, Okay, to Canada. Now, as you know, they've had that trucker protest lately. Truckers are refusing to accept vaccine mandates. And they had a trucker convoy going across the country. It was disrupting d- supply chains up there. Um, blocked some traffic. It put the whole country into some kind of economic turmoil. Uh, some territories are easing vaccine restrictions because they're trying to move on past the pandemic. But Justin Trudeau, he's the dictator up there in China. He can't take it. He wants to show everybody he's not afraid of these truckers that he's going to win against them. That that ding on my phone a minute ago was that one of the freedom Convo- freedom convoy key organizers was arrested up in Canada. They're arresting. Pro- imagine if America was arresting protesters. They do when they get violent, but this has not been a violent protest. They're driving trucks. They're honking horns. (laughs) People are crying about it because they're honking horns, but it's not a violent protest. Uh, There were some anti-protesters who, like, rammed their car into the convoy, and so that was violent, but that wasn't the original protesters doing that. That was some people protesting the protest. Anyway, Justin Trudeau, he wants to be Mr. Tough Guy and put a stop to all this instead of just letting the pandemic end Justin Trudeau wants to fight to the death. So first of all, there was a GoFundMe set up to give donations of money to the trucker convoy. It was to help them with expenses, you know, as they were trying to keep this thing going. GoFundMe and the Canadian government decided to freeze that money to prevent it from going to the truckers. GoFundMe said that they would redirect that money to other causes unless you asked for a refund. So I'm telling you that. So now, you know, don't use GoFundMe for anything. They are an evil authoritarian organization that works with the Canadian government to steal from people. They stole from Americans, and they're giving that money to whatever they want to now. Then another money-raising organization, it was called Give, Send, Go. They raised a bunch of money for the truckers, but they were hacked. And their donor list, with like with personal information of a bunch of donors, it was sent out all over the Internet to dox anyone who donated to them. Now, obviously, it's also to scare people who wants to donate to the truckers going forward. they say say, well, we'll hack you and, and s- distribute your personal information everywhere. And Twitter's just allowing it, by the way. They are allowing the sharing of these donors' info. Remember a couple years ago, talking about Hunter Biden's laptop, um, it was banned by Twitter because they said it was personal information. It wasn't hacked or anything. It was just personal information. The Give, Send, Go donor list was hacked, and Twitter is just allowing it to be shared. They would block you from talking about Hunter Biden's laptop story. This week, Trudeau froze the bank accounts of the truckers. I mean, just listen to this. He froze the bank accounts of the truckers. He used his government authority under something called, like, the Emergency Powers Act. It's never been used before in Canada history. He used it to declare that he had the right to punish these truckers by freezing their bank accounts. Because he disagrees with their protest. That, he, he, that's what he used his authority to do, which is not authority, that's authoritarian, by the way. But that's the man Canada chose. Like, listen to this clip of him. This was him running for office a few years ago. Listen to this clip. Even with Sun TV watching for any slip, he was asked which country he most admired and referred to China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because there, you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted uh, that I find quite interesting. So he admires China, but Canada chose him anyway. When they tell you who they are, you need to start believing them. And currently, this also disturbs me, is that not a single Western leader has spoken out about Trudeau's decision to freeze those citizens' bank accounts. Just imagine for a minute if Trump had said, like, oh, these, these Black Lives Matter activists, they're burning down our cities, they need to go home. I'm going to freeze their bank accounts until they stop. Okay, now, I hated what they were doing, but I mean, if they had do- if Trump had tried to do that, it would have been condemned by people on both sides of the aisle across this country. Like, it would have been unthinkable that someone would do something so evil. As much as I disagreed with the BLM protests and riots a few years ago, and they they should have been arrested for what they were doing. But if Trump had said, I'm just going to freeze their bank accounts, he would have been rightly condemned for doing that. But you know what? What was unthinkable a few years ago, that's just shrugged off as business as usual today. Because authoritarianism is not just a moment. It's a movement. Before I close down later, I do want to mention this here. If you want to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way. Whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. And also to stay in touch throughout the week, we're on Twitter at Fake News Weekly. Um, If you like Bible studies or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References, and this has nothing to do with news or current events. But it is what I consider my main podcast. It has new episodes on Mondays. If you just want to go look up cross-references on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast, you can also find my other one. All right, let's talk about what's racist for this week. Everything is racist! So starting with Literary Hub, um, they have a headline, Celebrating—oh, sorry, The Racist History of Celebrating the American Tomboy. This was like some kind of weird... Yeah, these people get together and plan this stuff out. There were like four headlines about how tomboys are white privilege and racist and stuff like that. When a white girl acts like... Has, it acts boyish and it's called a tomboy. Now that's also racist. Okay. Then there was Joy Reid of MSNBC. Okay, actually it wasn't her. It was, some, it was someone on her show. So someone named Brittany Packett Cunningham. She's complaining about how a new self-defense de- bill in Missouri. Um, it's called the Castle Law which I thought we already had that in Missouri, but the castle law says that if someone intrudes into your house, you can shoot and kill them. Okay? Here's how, here's how Cunningham went on Joy Reid's show, and here's how she described the law. She said, they want to return to the days when you could lynch or murder black folks. That's not hyperbole. <laughs> so when, when there's a law that says so, if someone invades into your home that doesn't have permission to be there, You can shoot them. There's a law that if someone does that, you can shoot them. They say, oh, you just want to go back to where you can murder black people. (laughs) You know what? If you think home intruders are black people, that makes you the racist. I know I kind of go back to this a lot, but that makes you the racist, guys. Um, (laughs) If someone invades my home, personally, I don't care what your skin color is. Like White privilege will get you nowhere in my house if you're invading my home. I believe in equality of shooting all home invaders. Okay, so if you, if you hear a home invader and you think of black people, I have some follow-up questions for you, Mrs. Cunningham. All right. Um, and then there was NPR also this week. Who, you know, NPR could not cover the Hunter Biden laptop story a few years ago because they said they had too many important things to report on. Here's what they did a report on this week. They talked about emojis. Let me read you the headline and then the opening text. Which color skin, which skin color emoji should you use? The answer can be more complex than you think. (laughs) The answer is not more complex than you think, but they want to pretend it is. And maybe it's too complex for the minds over at NPR. I guess on on phones, I don't do emojis, guys, because I'm a 31-year-old adult. And it kind of goes against everything I stand for just to discuss this here. But, um... Emojis are the little visual symbols that people put into texts. And I guess now on emojis, they have different skin tones in available to choose from. So if you do a thumbs up emoji, then you can choose if you want a white person, a Mexican it looks like. Like different shades of brown and black hands um, that they want to include as emoji options now. As well as just the default yellow Thumbs up emoji that is kind of the classic, I guess, emoji. I don't know about emojis, okay? I don't speak Egyptian hieroglyphics. I'm just trying to read you what this story says. So the the actual serious news reporting from NPR, it says, Some white people may choose yellow thumbs up emoji because it feels neutral. But some academics... (laughs) Some? (laughs) It means like one and a half that they found somewhere. (laughs) Okay. But some academics argue that opting out of white thumbs up emoji signals a lack of awareness about white privilege akin to society associating whiteness with being raceless. So anyway, if you are a white person and you use a yellow thumbs up emoji, it means you're trying to dodge awareness of your white privilege that you should be using white thumbs up emoji. You know, I saw this news article. Someone was explaining American news to a woman over in, like, some other country. It was India or something. Like, they were, like, visiting America from India. It was, like, some in-laws, and they were, like, she was explaining America's, what they were covering in the news. The the Indian people just shrugged, and they are like, Americans don't have any real problems. (laughs) Like, that's why they're reporting on it, because they don't have any real problems. This is the ultimate. We don't have any, well, we do have real problems, but since Joe Biden's president, NPR doesn't want to talk about that. So, guys, I wish we could go back to a time when we weren't talking about the skin colors of emojis. But like I was kind of saying, I feel like some of these trends, they are not just trends, they're here to stay. They're not moments, they are movements. And it may take decades to reverse this damage. Like, if we ever do return to a more sane time in this country's future, um, it's going to take a long time to get there, I believe. Okay, and now for the dumbest race-based thing of the week. And guys, when I first saw this, I literally thought it was a joke. Like, I would have talked about it in a previous episode, but I dismissed it when I first saw it because I thought it was fake. (laughs) Like, I thought, this is too ridiculous to be true. Or it's taken out of context. It's just fake news. No, it is real news. Okay, here we are. Noah Get the Boat from Daily Mail, Biden administration to fund handing out crack pipes to addicts to improve racial equity. (laughs) That is a real headline. Also from the Washington Free Beacon, Biden administration to fund crack bite distribution to advance racial equity. $30 million program will provide smoking kits to vulnerable communities. (laughs) This is real news, guys. (laughs) Let me read some of it to you. This is for racial equality from the Biden administration. A $30 million grant program, which closed applications Monday and will begin in May, will provide funds to nonprofits and local governments to help make drug use safer for addicts. Included in the grant, which is overseen by the Department of Health and Human Services, are funds for smoking kits and supplies. A spokesman for the agency told the Washington Free Beacon that these kits will provide pipes for users to smoke crack cocaine, crystal methamphetamine, and any illicit substance. HHS said the, the kits aim to, aim to reduce the risk of infection when smoking substances with glass pipes, which can lead to infection through cuts and sores. Applicants for the grants are prioritized if they treat a majority of underserved communities, including African-Americans and LGBTQ plus persons, as established under President Joe Biden's executive order on advancing racial equity. Democrat-run cities such as San Francisco and Seattle have distributed smoking kits to residents. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop there. So for real, too many white people have access to good crack pipe kits. And so, instead of taking their crack pipes away from them, the United States government has said, no, we're going to send clean crack pipes to the underserved communities, such as black people and LGBT people. For real. This is a real story, guys. Now, you might be asking, why would the government try to help people do drugs? I'm not even going to really get into the race aspect of it. Again, if you think we need more black people doing drugs, I mean... Again, that makes you the racist, but we already know that Joe Biden's racist, so that's not new information. But why would the government do this? Government creates crises so that they can exert greater control to solve them. Anytime government can declare something an emergency, they can expand their powers to solve the supposed problem, even if it's a problem that they created in the first place. It's their whole cycle. Okay, that's the authoritarian movement. All right. Um, listen, of all the countries that we talked about becoming more authoritarian, let me just point out the, the United States before we go, okay? We never, <laughs> we never did get to our own country today, did we? Well, let's do a Beyond the Headline and cover some domestic stuff, some of the authoritarianism going on in America. The, um, the Beyond the Headline thing I want to cover today is from the Daily Wire. They have an article called Six Steps the Democrats Will Take to Fundamentally Alter America and Ensure Their Permanent Power. So I'm just going to read through this and make some comments. Um, first, let me say this. So when Trump won in 2016, I honestly think they were so caught off guard by that. They, like They actually, the Democrats, they actually thought that the Republicans would never win a presidency again. I mean, it was so dumb, but they actually believed this. <laughs> so now um, it seems like really right now, if they just had one or two more votes in the Senate, they would probably be trying to change as many rules as they could to remain in power. Like, you know, they accused Trump of being a dictator all those times before. but Trump never talked about doing stuff like packing the court, adding new states that were red states, changing voting laws. All that is always Democrat stuff. So. Daily Wire did a little short compilation of what they'd like to do. Let me just go through. Um, what are Democrats trying to do to change the rules so that they are always in power? Number one, allowing non-citizens to vote in U.S. elections. That is what New York City is trying to do right now. The New York City Democrat-controlled city council, they passed a law that allows 800,000 of the non-citizens there to vote in city elections. For real. And Representative Hakeem Jeffries of New York, he said, "I fully support letting non-Americans vote in New York City elections." He called it America's system of federalism. Um, it, their mayor, Eric Adams, the new mayor over there, said he would support that too. So that r- Democrats want illegal aliens to vote in American elections—absolute ludicrousness. Okay, number two: allowing criminals, including terrorists. To vote from jail during a 2019 cnn town hall meeting senator bernie sanders said he would favor letting incarcerated prisoners including the terrorist who bombed the boston marathon cast a ballot from their jail, 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 <laughs> jail cells and he said i think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy yes even for terrible people it's kind of interesting the democrats only favor that because most most criminals are actually democrat <laughs> no i don't mean that I don't mean that all Democrats are criminals, but a majority of criminals are Democrat. And that's why Democrats want them to be able to vote from jail. Like They're, they're not doing it out of any kind of principle or something like that. Um, and by the way, I would actually, when, when a criminal gets out of jail, sometimes felons don't get the right to vote back. I would give them the right to vote back. Because to me, I'd say, well, you served your time, so you should have the right to vote. So that would be an issue where maybe I'd be considered liberal on that. But um, I just think once you've served your time in in prison, once you get out, you should be allowed to vote. I recognize that that will mean more Democrats are voting, but I just kind of feel like as a principle of the matter. Democrats don't really care about the principle. They just want the votes. (laughs) That's why they want – they actually would go a step further. They want criminals to vote from jail. Okay, number three, abolishing the Electoral College. Um, Democrats – you know, Trump won with the Electoral College – But he didn't win the popular vote. And so they tried to overturn his election back before he became um, inaugurated as president. And they said, we shouldn't be going by the Electoral College anyway. And they introduced bills to try to get rid of it. Um, A lot of of people who are very important Democrat politicians say they want to abolish the Electoral College. You know, they don't like it because it gives more power to some of the Midwestern states, some of the more not-as-populated states that Democrats are crapping on all the time and running down and making fun of, calling them the flyover states and stuff like that. You know, they say all this stuff, and then they complain that those states won't vote for them and that they can't win presidential elections because they don't have support from those states. Maybe you need to quit crapping on all those people out out here, (laughs) guys. But anyway, the rules have been set for over 200 years in this country on how you become elected president. And the Democrats don't want to play by the firmly established rules they want to change the rules. They want to get rid of the Electoral College. Number four, the Daily Wire has abolishing the U.S. Senate. I don't think that's too ingrained into our Constitution. I don't think the Senate is going anywhere anytime soon. So I'm gonna skip that one. Number five, granting statehood to Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. Um, that is something that they talked about doing. That again, if they had a few more senators already in the Senate, right now it's 50-50 in the Senate. If they had just a little bit more power. They probably would have tried to add some states to the United States of America. They talk about Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. Why? Well, because then they get a few more senators that are going to be Democrat in the United States Senate. Historically, when you added states, you would add if you were adding a red state, you'd add a blue state. If you added a blue state, you'd add a red state. You would do that so that things didn't shift the balance and that you were adding states based on a need to add those territories as states. Uh, like some kind of principle that was guiding you not just to seize power so you wouldn't do it unless you had another unless you were keeping things balanced all right that's why we added hawaii and alaska at the same time well democrats want to add a few more (laughs) They they want to add dc and puerto rico which would just be two blue states and they're just doing that for a power grab and it wouldn't even last but that is what they're trying they're just trying to power grab they also number six want to let 16 year olds vote Uh, You know, it's funny this week, I've been seeing a lot of people whining about student debt. They want to cancel student debt. They say it's not fair that people, when they're 18, they're not smart enough to know what they're signing when they take out a loan for college, and now they can't pay these bills to pay back the loan that they took out, and they say, we need to, you know, (laughs) cancel student debt because these young adults, their brains weren't developed enough to think through these decisions and all that stuff. Okay. Well, I don't think we should cancel student debt, but if that's your stance then you should also be against letting 18-year-olds vote because that's also an important decision that shapes the future of our country. If you don't think they have developed enough brains to make a good decision on whether or not they can take out debt, then why would you want them to be allowed to vote? You know, they so they want to actually make it where 16-year-olds can vote. That is what the Democrats would like to do. San Francisco put that as a policy, although they even rejected it in San Francisco. But that is something that the Democrats want to introduce because the younger and less experienced you are with life, the less you know about the world, the more likely you are to vote Democrat. (laughs) Sorry to all the young people out there, but that's just the truth. (laughs) The younger you are, the less world experience you have, the more likely you are to vote for the Democrats. Um, So they talk of... I don't know if it mentioned this in the Daily Wire article. They talk of packing the court. Um, I think that the chance for them to do that, has, that ship is sailed for right now. But that's something that the Democrats talk about doing. Republicans don't talk about doing that. Donald Trump didn't do it. He had the power to if the other Republicans had went along with it. And they wouldn't have. Um, but that's not something that Democrat or Republicans want to do. Democrats talk about packing the court. Again, if they had a few more senators on their side, they probably would have tried it this time. They want to rewrite our voting laws. That's why they keep trying to get that John Lewis Voting Rights Act passed. They want to rewrite our voting laws, federalize elections. The Democrats are the authoritarians here, people. Don't forget, Biden also tried to force you to get a vaccine to have a job. He tried that. After a year ago saying, I can't do that, it's illegal. It goes outside my authority. Then he tried it anyway. Supreme Court had to strike it down. He was going to force you to have a vaccine just to have a job. That's how far we've come in this country. That's how far we've come this year. That something Joe Biden said was too radical one year ago. He tried it finally. Less than a year later, he tried it in like August or September. But he's taking his cues from Obama. You know, Obama, when Obama was president, he's like, oh, I don't like DOMA. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm going to instruct the Justice Department, do not defend DOMA. Even though he took an oath of office to uphold the laws of the United States. But he said, oh, but I don't like DOMA, so I'm just going to tell my Justice Department, just don't defend DOMA. You know, the DREAM Act, uh, Obama couldn't get the DREAM Act passed through Congress. He wanted to, by the way, I think the DREAM Act was good, too. I I would actually support the DREAM Act, another area where I'd be considered liberal. I would have been in favor of the DREAM Act. But Obama could not get enough support from Congress to pass it. So do you know what he did? He just signed it into law as an executive order. See, this party is a party of authoritarians. They exceed their authority and they do not care about the rule of law. But I want you to remember this. The freedoms that you surrender today, they will be the freedoms that your kids and your grandkids never even knew existed. So if you care about the future, stand your ground today. Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor. Reminding you, I'm a 31-year-old man, and so if you hear me say white thumbs up emoji or black thumbs up emoji or yellow thumbs up emoji or smiley face emoji or fire emoji, you're living in a clown emoji, world emoji, and it's also fake news.